DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's LK. Happy holidays to all you guys and all your listeners, too. So uh, how are you guys doing? We're doing well. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you. Right back at Good. you there. Absolutely. So the start of the uh, holiday season here is yeah. awesome if you love defensive football, but not so much if you like touchdowns. We got 9 <laughs> nothing games. We got 15-10, 19-13. Uh, twenty to ten on a Tuesday night game. Yeah, is this the defenses catching up to the offenses late in the season, and they got film, and teams are meeting in division for the second time, or is a lot of this COVID guys missing, and it's way easier to plug in a defensive guy than an offensive guy, and that's helping the defenses, or is it something else? It's a great point. Both points are 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 great and and probably valid if you look into it deeply enough. But I I think that, you know, we live in a a time where there's so much uncertainty. Even the guys that are able to go out there don't really know um, who they're playing with. Because, look, there's a lot of people that don't think there's sports and chemistry is necessary in sports. But in football, it's absolutely essential. A quarterback has got to have a good chemistry with his receivers as well as his offensive line. If you don't, you have a quarterback who's not trusting. He's looking down at the pass rush. He's not really looking down the field. He's trying to take something that's simple and easy uh, just to get out of the, get out of the play and, and, and come away unscathed. Conversely, on the defensive side, you know, you turn a guy loose. You, it doesn't matter where he comes in at or where he plays. You just say, look, go find ball. That's what most defenses do. Um, you know, you've got a little bit more structure in the back end with the coverage and stuff like that. But for the most part, go find ball. Seek ball, find ball. It's a lot simpler, a lot easier to do. You don't necessarily need a whole lot of chemistry there. But it's good when the chemistry happens because defenses play better together. Um, with that being said, you know, to your point, it's, it's anyone's guess what type of game that we're seeing this part of the year. Um, Maybe teams are starting to save themselves, try to get to get to the playoffs as unscathed as possible, uh, even when they have to win a central game. So uh, it, it's really up in the air. It, it can be a, a combination of both of your points. Watching the Raiders, I, I hope you had a uh, refundable and didn't have to pay an exchange fee because they moved the game back a couple of days there. Uh, well, so. well, what's funny is that I was in Vegas taping the uh, Silver and Black show for Raiders Network TV and um, when, when the news came down. So I just flew back to Phoenix, which is a 45-minute flight. I yeah. bought a ticket, flew back to Phoenix, and then changed my ticket, which I was supposed to leave for Vegas that day, Friday, go through Detroit, and finally eventually, eventually ended up Cleveland that night. Um, I didn't leave until uh, Sunday morning. I think it was when I when I left. So um, it, it worked out for me to be able to go back home and see That's my kids good. another day before I had to go. I'm wondering if you thought, wow, that was an impressive comeback, or if you thought, man, they needed an impressive comeback just to beat a depleted Browns team. What's your view on that? Well, any win is a good win. Uh, any loss is a tough loss. Um, the Raiders have been so inconsistent I didn't really know what we were in for. It looked like they were going to be able to handle themselves easily after the first drive, the way they marched down the field and got a touchdown. But then everything, you know, went, went to crap, um, like it's done many times before, and the inconsistencies. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have the, the uh, closing drive where Derek Carr throws an interception under the last five minutes. 
Um, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's it. That's, that seems to be the theme of the season. But the defense goes out there and they play well for a couple of snaps. They get the ball back uh, to the offense. And Derek does what he can do so well being a veteran quarterback, managing the two-minute clock uh, and, and, and getting down in position for a field goal. And when you have a clutch kicker like Carlson, um, it really helps because you don't have to worry about how much closer you have to get. You just have to get in position to do it. And he worked the clock beautifully. He had some great plays by Foster Moreau. The one time when Foster Moreau acted like he was going to run out of bounds and he faked the team out and he ran it for a couple extra yards and then got out of bounds was absolutely magical, especially after a holding penalty. So, um, you know, this is what this cap- this offense is capable of. You just haven't seen it consistently throughout the year, and that's the reason why they're 500. I got stuck on the fact that uh, you moved your ticket to Cleveland. You didn't take the uh, extra day for all the tourist destinations in uh, northern Ohio. It's, it's Cleveland in December. So you got three options here. I want you to rank <laughs> them. It is Cleveland in December. You got me there. My brother lived there for a while, so I visited yeah. in multiple seasons. Three options. I'm curious which you would find uh, to be the most fun and which you would <clears throat> go ahead and give the bronze medal to, leave in third place and possibly never do. One, when you're downtown, I mean, you're right by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right. which blew my mind. It is very well done. I, right. I thought it was awesome. I am a bigger football fan than I am a music fan. But Canton is not as well done as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. However, it's an hour down the freeway to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so that's one option. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is another. And then, uh, PK, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, well, yeah, The Christmas Story. I went to that house and checked it all out, too. You get that? (laughs) Yeah, the the house they shot the exteriors at, somebody on the cast bought it, remodeled the inside to match... The soundstage, because they shot everything on a soundstage in Toronto. And you can take tours there. And they got a gift shop and visitor thing across the street in another remodeled house. It's like its own little mini economy there. So one, oh, two, well, three. How my would third you... option would probably be the, the Christmas Story house. Okay. But, you know, um, and, and second, I've been to Canton uh, for the, the Hall of Fame a couple, a couple of times. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, is well done. And I do, I do like it. The only thing I was worried about, and, and Brent told me this, is that Saturday when the game was supposed to be played, the weather was was abysmal. It was it was foggy. You couldn't see basically your hand in front of your face, and it was dreary, dreary and overcast. Um, but Monday when they played the game, I mean, when I got to Cleveland, I was surprised because it's the latest I've been in the year at Cleveland, and and haven't there wasn't any snow on the ground. So uh, the, the day was absolutely gorgeous. Monday, uh, the sun was out all day. It was it, it got up I think to maybe you know close to fifty degrees, and then when the sun went down, it got cold. But I mean, it was absolutely a gorgeous day. I, much to my surprise that Cleveland had that uh, late that late in December. Yeah, yeah, you can't beat that. I've been in Cleveland for work multiple times, and the weather sucked. I've been there in the summer on just uh, something for to do for fun, and the weather sucked. So, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you, can, you never know what you're going to get. Know. We were talking about this the other day, GJ and I. You know, there's a best team in the AFC, and I think that would be say that was the, uh, the Chiefs, and there's always going to be a best team. But is there a dominant team? No, there's not a dominant team because even the hierarchy or better teams in the AFC have flaws. Um, look, you know, for what it's worth, when you take a look at, say, New England and Indianapolis, what Indianapolis did to New England, New England did to Buffalo. 
just doesn't normally happen. You don't. It's not. I wouldn't say it's unheard of to only have to throw the ball maybe a couple of times in order to win. But you usually don't have guys that take over football games where they rush almost for 200 yards on a, on an opposing team when they load the box. It, you know, it rarely happens. But you know, New England did it to Buffalo a few weeks ago, and Buffalo had nine guys in the box. They were loading the box, and they were. And New England was still able to only have to throw three, four times. And I think in that Indianapolis New England game, Carson Wentz only threw about four times. Uh, but Jonathan Taylor had a, a wonderful day. Um, you're seeing sort of a reemergence of the run, and what most people deem as a, a, a passing league or a passing system these days. And it's absolutely essential this time of year because, first of all. For the most part, defenses, they, they, there's poor tackling out there. So as the game wears on, you see a bunch of guys just either hit with a shoulder or don't try to wrap up with their arms because they're too tired. And then the running backs, the stronger running backs, are able to take over. And that's one of the reasons why a guy like Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb are having such tremendous years. So the Patriots and Bills are about to play again, second time in three weeks. Do you trust the Bills? People don't like Bill Belichick and that (laughs) scowling mug over there on the sideline. Is he going to crack, you know, just barely almost kind of sort of a smile after another win? You know, what's interesting to me on that part is that People can say what they want about Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, and when given time to prepare for an opponent, they're just effective, and that's just good coaching. I mean, who would ever thunk the system that they would have in place when they, uh, when they played the Bills the last time, that they would be able to run the ball as effectively they did in the conditions. Now, I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen, happen that this time. I think Mac Jones needs to have a bounce-back season, but you know, for a quarterback, uh, his best friend is a run game. And being able to have the run game at his, at his disposal allows him to create a lot more balance in the offense. But for the Bills, your back is against the wall. I think your identity is definitely questioned because you, not too long ago you were viewed as one of the dominants or the favorite teams to win the Super Bowl. Now you can't even beat your, your, your divisional nemesis, you know, much like the Raiders in viewing Kansas City. If you can't dethrone the king, you can't ever be the king. So um, it's got to be up to the Bills to try to even the score. And I don't know what they do game plan-wise because it wasn't like they weren't able to move the ball against New England. They just didn't have the, you know, as much uh, the, uh, privilege of scoring. Uh, I think it'll be different this time around, but of course it also depends on the conditions in New England and game day. I'm wondering if you got bad news for my sister, and what I mean by that is she's a long-time Cardinal season ticket holder. You know, I've got my roots there, yeah. and I never thought that they were a 10-2 and two team. I'm not even right. sure they're a 10-4 and four team, but nevertheless, that's where they find themselves at, and I'm wondering, is this going to be the biggest fall from grace where you thought that they were a shoe-in, and then maybe they don't even make it as far as the postseason? Well, I think they'll make the postseason. I think they're too far along to really sort of fall that far. I don't think they're going to lose, even though the opponents are taking on like this weekend and Indianapolis Colts is a challenge. You know what the Detroit game shows me, it makes more apparent than anything, is what we've seen sort of the theme all season. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins start off in the hole and they end up winning like six straight, six or seven straight, whatever it is. You didn't, you didn't think that, especially with that inept offense, but you know they were able to find a way to get it together. Anybody can be beaten on any day. And, and you throw the records out the window a lot of times. And that's the great thing about when I, I talked to Brent about sports betting. You know, he's like, these spreads, you think you take it for granted, who's the favor and how to bet and stuff like that. But you just never know. Credit the Detroit Lions for 
throwing all the caution to the wind. Some people thinking they were, you know, slouching so they could get that top pick, uh, take it away from Jacksonville or whatever, or keep it from Jacksonville. Um, and they want to win games. I've never been one of those guys, especially in the NFL locker room, where you could, you, you could coach to lose or you could play to lose. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. It doesn't matter. So um, in response to the Cardinals question, you know, I think they're still a good, solid team. They've got a number of wide receivers, but now with Hopkins gone, that, that leaves a big, casts a big shadow. Um, Kyler Murray, to me, they're going to have to find a way to work out more plays to get the ball to Zach Ertz. They're trying so hard to get to A.J. Green. It's almost to, uh, to a fault um, that they want to go that way. And I just don't think the overall – timing and understanding between Kyler Murray and A.J. Green are there. There are a lot of times where I see his facial reaction after a throw or in a game or after a play where he's expecting A.J. to do something different than he did. And that, again, that goes back to chemistry. It, it takes time to develop. And because a lot of teams don't practice due to COVID and other restrictions, sometimes that timing is hard to get without a, a true offseason. Raider Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us here. The Bucks have just been hit hard by injuries. Chris Godwin, yeah. uh, leading receiver, ACL, done for the year. Leonard Fournette, done for the regular season. They're hoping their leading running back can come back for the playoffs, but that's definitely an if right now. Are the Green Bay Packers, in your mind, clearly the number one team as we sit here today? You know, back to the Buccaneers. You know, Brady looked like a grumpy old man first yeah. first time in a long time, right? He did. <laughs> Things that didn't go that way. Like um, it, it's it's any given week anybody can take over that front spot. I think the Green Bay Packers have enough momentum, especially finding ways to win, and that's when you have a capable and savvy quarterback that comes into play. Look, the, the Green Bay Packers could have been playing the Super Bowl last year if they would have managed if Lafleur would have managed the clock a lot better than he did when in the, in the Tampa Bay game. Because there's no reason, in my opinion, that you know. Quarterback throwing three interceptions should have won that football game. Um, but, you know, to me, it was poor clock, clock management and poor decision making that caused them to lose that game. I think they're a lot better off this year. And I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot more say about that. You know, just a savvy veteran quarterback who knows the game through and through. And now he's got a couple of receivers. And when people concentrate on Adams, he can go to uh, Scanley, the, the, the other guy, or, or, or some of his other receivers to make them viable. But um, it, it looks like Green Bay has a strong, and their defense is playing a lot better, too. So I think they have a strong chance. You think Urban gets back into coaching at the college level? After you look at the tail of tape, what he's did at the programs that he did, and there's there's always been some shadows that have been cast everywhere he went. If I'm a region, I have a hard time doing it. And the reason why is that this is a man who has to go into kids in people's houses and convince their parents to give their kids up. I don't know if that happens, especially when you look at all the things that have, that have sort of followed him around uh, and the questionable decisions that he made. I think it's got to be – I'm not saying that it's never going to happen again, but I think you, you really have to let the dust settle. And we've seen other coaches in the past sort of have to have that, uh, you know, things happen and they, the dust has to settle for a couple of years. You find them at a smaller program, they kind of work their way back up. You know, and, and for what it's worth, if, if I'm a admirer, to be honest with you guys, because there was health concerns in the past – I think I'd be done. I mean, if you want, if you want to live, I, sometimes you can't get it out of your system. I get that. You always have the itch, and, and, and especially when you're coaching. But you talk about the, 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 the scandals, the publicity, the press, everything that's followed you around, uh, your career, your coaching career, where you've been, and now this, and now you figure out that if the Jacksonville Jaguars are able to get out of paying him his money, eh, just go on the TV. Be easy.
You're on a committee we didn't really know much about. <clears throat> we just heard about it in the last couple of days. A Pac-12 yeah. advisory committee, former yeah. players. Uh, what What is the main goal there? What do you hope to bring to the table there? What would you like to accomplish? To try to make the Pac-12 more viable in a national presence. How are you going to do that? Well, that's a good question. That's what we're trying to figure out. You know, you're, you're up against the popularity of the SEC, the ACC, uh, as well as the Big Ten. And I think the new TV contract is going to come out in a couple of years. So you're trying to make, um, I think it's two years, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say 20, 23 or 24. Um, but what you what you want to do is you want to try to make the Pac-12 look as tantalizing as some of those other conferences, not only the players and bowl committees, but also to the TV presence. Um, and, and the thing is, is that the way to do it is you, you know, we have to find a way to work with NIL, like a lot of other conferences and schools have done, um, to make, you know, Utah has a great NIL program. And, and, and talk about a program, and I hope they have, I wish them the absolute best in, um, in, in, the, in the Rose Bowl. It's absolutely essential that the Pac-12 finds a way to win games, especially in the national presence, um, to, to show, to make themselves look more lucrative. Because you've got recruits that are in the West that are going to the Midwest, the South, and the East. That should not happen. Um, once upon a time, they didn't leave. They played here. So to have Lincoln Riley in the, in the, in the Pac-12 is essential. To have the Pac-12 win bowl games is absolutely essential uh, going forward. But uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the Pac-12 more viable, more lucrative, not only to recruits, uh, to coaches, and to overall the presence, the media presence, to show that you know it's, it's a true destination of sorts that you want to go to and you want to send your kids to. I've never gotten why there are so many big division games so early in the season. The conference never gives itself a chance to have uh, Utah, an ASU, a USC, whoever's up, maybe UCLA will be, where it's 8-0 versus 8-0 or 7-1 versus 8-0. They play them so early and they play the cross-division games late. Utah and Oregon is just routinely a November game. Oregon-Washington. I know it's a rivalry because I've lived in the West my whole life. I'm not right. convinced that most of the country knows that, but if they always played on the first Saturday in November and had a chance to be 8-0 versus 8-0 or 7-1 versus right. 7-1 or something like that, it would seem to have a little more sizzle. I don't, I don't get that. Well, that's, that's the thing that, uh, that you know, uh, like Martin Hanks, who's the co-commissioner of the, the, of the conference, is that some of the, one of the things that we're talking about. The rivalry games need to be set up to make bigger. The, the issue becomes, and I think there's still the Pac-12 is the only conference that does it, the round robin of nine games, conference games. Uh, that's, that becomes the issue because when you're scheduling, you know, you'll have coaches and athletic directors who put themselves and say, well, you know, I don't want to play SC this early in the season. I want to give us the time to get, get warmed up. But I remember, you know, for the most part, the most of the times that we played SC when I was in Washington was early in September. Um, whether it was in Los Angeles or Seattle, so but you, you're right about that Oregon-Washington game. The Northwest rivalries were a little bit held a little bit closer to cup later in the season. But in the SEC, like most notably, you got places like where Alabama's going to play LSU the week before they're playing either, you know, uh, Tijuana Tech or, or or some some school or have the week off before they play that big game. You don't have the schedule tampering as much in the Pac-12 as you do in other conferences. Got to fly the Citadel out to the old West Coast for some November football. <laughs> hey, don't sleep on the Citadel. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We will talk to you again and enjoy the football. Hey, guys, and happy holidays to you and your fans. And tell everybody to be safe out there and please don't drink a drive. 
Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, 15 minutes away. Stay with us.